This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. G'day and welcome to Metal 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Metal 2 People's Radio. G'day and welcome to Metal 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. This week we were lucky enough to catch up with a whole lot of awesome metalheads. One thing I do love about my job is doing interviews. It's so fantastic. So this week the whole show is full of interviews. No music, just all interviews. So um, first off we're going to start off with a interview we had with Dave from the band Sentinels. Um, then we're going to have Bill Hudson from the band North Tail. Um, uh, we have Mole... And we have Massacre, Camley from Massacre, uh, to finish it all off. So, first off, like I say, we're going to have uh, Dave from the band Sentinels. We kick straight into the interview. So, without further ado, here's Dave. G'day, we're talking with Dave from the band Sentinels. They're about to release their debut album for Sharp Tone Records, Collapse Pie Design, coming out October the 22nd, which is tomorrow, uh, judging by it down here times. How you going today, Dave? doing great man thank you for uh, having me on the show i appreciate it oh absolute pleasure mate so although this is your uh, debut album you guys have uh, released a fair amount of material since your inception would that be fair to say um yeah yeah i mean we've released uh, i think yeah we've had about three eps and then uh this will be our first debut record Oh mate, that's absolutely killer! Yeah, well, I, I looked at the the EPs and it was like each each uh, EP had like about seven songs, and it was like, dude, that's just about an album there anyway. So you've almost released three albums before you get to the your supposed debut album. You must be excited to finally have this under your belt. Oh yeah, it's uh, it feels incredible um, to finally have uh, you know what is you know usually known as a, a full length record. Um, you know, because when we did EPs, we always uh, pretty much strived to, you know, we had always wanted to do a full length, but we wanted to wait until the time was right and until we had, like, enough material, because we only ever had enough material for EPs, and we didn't want to uh, make a couple lackluster songs to fill up the, the amount of time for an album. So the timing was just never right, but... Um, for this album, everything really came together naturally and smoothly, and uh, we were like, wow, we have 12 songs ready for an album, and it was just in time with signing to Sharp Tone, so it, it, it couldn't have been better timing, um, especially the music to us, it's the best it's ever been for us, so we feel super confident about it, so we feel very good about uh, this being our full-length album. Oh, mate, that's absolutely epic, mate. So, could you tell us a little bit about the the journey to get to here? I mean, like you've just said about the EPs and all that. I mean, when did you guys come together and, I mean, how, how active have you guys been? I mean, you've been out touring and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I mean, well, the, the band came together in 2012, and uh, that this was before I joined. They had two drummers 
prior to me joining and then another vocalist. Um, so I joined in the summer of 2015 as just a fill-in member on uh, a couple shows where we actually uh, were opening up for Currents uh, before they had signed to Sharp Tone Records. And so that's how we like, really got to be extra familiar with those guys. And I, I got close with them on my first shows with Sentinels, and they're still some of our best friends today. And uh, shortly after you know that ended, uh, they asked me to join officially, and then we started you know getting cracking on finalizing songs for uh, what was our World Divide EP that came out in 2016. And um, you know we we didn't do any touring off of that, but we did. Um, I, I think we did actually one like small DIY tour with some friends, and then. On that DIY tour is when we got recognized uh, by our our managers now, which is Scott Lee and Josh Bulgarian. And uh, they have always been fighting for us to put us in front of the eyes of, you know, the most important people, like, that, that they can... The, the, most, the most important people that they know and whatnot. So they've always been rooting for us. So, you know, we put out uh, an EP on a, a different label back in 2019 called Unsound Recollections, and that's when touring really started for us. We started with a couple of short runs of shows with like Jason Richardson, and then we did quite a few shows with uh, Within the Ruins, and then we did uh, some full U.S. tours, like with Betraying the Martyrs and Signs um, of the Swarm. So it, it really was uh, a, a turning point for us, and we, we realized that, like, wow, like this is awesome getting to do real tours, and it, it really reinstated that we wanted to do this uh, for real, and it wasn't just like this little hobby or passion. Like we all really were serious, and we we, we were converted to road dogs, hundred <laughs> percent. So after, after that, then we just you know we, we basically fulfilled our duties with that label, and then. When it came time to do the next record, uh, Sharp Tone Records showed interest in us, and that was the, the best thing that could happen for the band because, you know, that that lineup on their on their label is, is phenomenal. And as soon as they launched back in I think 2015, we we knew that like that was the label we wanted to be a part of. So it, it truly is an honor, uh, and I, I told them this: it really is an honor to be releasing our first full-length album on their label because, you know. They, they not only treat us like family, they, they look out for us, and it just feels great to be in that, that same roster uh, with bands like Amir and the Cannage Romans and so many other amazing bands like Loathe and Currents. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. So could you tell us a little bit about the, the writing and the recording process for this album? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this album was definitely the most... Um, I would say the most involved that we all have ever been, um, like mainly a, a lot uh, with me, Chris and Danny, all like getting together, and, and Thomas would come in some other days and you know would work on some ideas, and and we really, really were all together like writing. Like Chris, Chris would obviously start like the big, big main skeleton of the songs and then we would come in with like our little ideas and suggestions and it was like really the first time that we ever got to like work like really together on, on, on a on a body of work and I think it shows that like it's not just uh, you know one or two guitar players working on the songs like it does sound like you know a bunch of people come together with ideas and I uh 
I, I think it, it, it shows in the music for sure. Um, and the recording process was a very interesting one because we entered into the studio to do pre-production with our producer, Randy LaBeouf, and our co-engineer, uh, Aaron Shaparian. And two weeks later, pretty much like when we started tracking is when uh, COVID-19 hit us. Oh. And uh, so not only were we dealing with all these crazy constrictions and uh, new things that we had to abide by, like we can only come from home to the studio, like we can't go to our job, then go to the studio. So it really delayed the record. And on top of that, like when we were in the middle of the studio, we realized that our singer at the time was not really into it anymore. Like he, he had other priorities that he needed to take care of. So not only dealing with COVID stuff, we had to find a new vocalist. And it was such a stressful time period, but, you know, we were able to basically strike the basic, uh, what am I trying to say? We were trying to, we were able to uh, strike like the final day that we were going to be in there. And we had all this extended time to, to work on the record. And, you know, while we found a new vocalist and we're working with those restrictions. So it gave us a lot more time to actually perfect the album in, in terms of like our performances, uh, the writing and, you know, final touches. And then on top of it, the lyricism and the vocal aspect. So it gave me the extra time to, to write lyrics while we were looking for a vocalist. And, um, you know, I think everything came out, you know, stellar, uh, because of that extra time that we were given. And, uh, it was definitely stressful. Sometimes the, the tension was quite high. Um, but I think we got a, a great record out of it. Oh, that, that, that's awesome. So, um, you talked about, uh, you writing a lot of the lyrics. Is that how it would, um, how, how far into that process it was it that you got the singer, the new vocalist? I mean, did he come in, uh, just weeks before or how did that sort of all tie in? Um, and how much input was he able to have this time around? Um, well, I, I actually ended up writing all the lyrics, uh, except for, for one song. Um, one of them was co-written and like, was a, a big help to me was our, our co-engineer, uh, Aaron Saparian, uh, because I, I started writing for like, like I think three or four songs worth of lyrics because our old singer was having trouble coming up with stuff. And like, like I said, he was on his way out anyway, like kind of like didn't really have the motivation to do it. So like his heart wasn't really in his writing anyway. So, yep. you know, I was helping him finish other songs while he was working on others. So I already had about four songs written and when I presented it to our producer, uh, Randy, when, when we were getting ready to talk about like finding a new vocalist, he said, well, while you're finding your new vocalist, I want you to write the, all the lyrics for the rest of the record because you are good at like telling a story and the way you write these patterns and, and the vocal lines, it all is really hitting. It's really solid. So I think that you can do this. And so the only thing that was going through my head was, holy crap, I have to track drums for 12 songs. <laughs> yeah. And now I have to write for 11 of them because one is an instrumental track. So I was already overwhelmed by trying to like learn these songs perfect enough to record them like the way they, that we wrote them. And then on top of that, it was like, boom, here's lyrical duties. But I will say it was, it was easily the, the greatest like experience of my life uh, writing the lyrics to this record because it gave me a chance to really pour out all the 
the things that were, you know, going on in my life and, and in my head over the past like, 10 to 15 years that I, I just never got to put on paper. So it was, it was great. And, and Josh, um, when we found Josh, our new vocalist, I told him the situation and, and he honestly was cool with it, especially once I sent him the lyrics and the songs and he just wanted to be like a part of, of this band. And like that felt great. And so he made it very easy. So he did pitch like little inputs there. Like he, he actually helped improve, uh, what is like the end, like vocal patterns for the song Inertia. He, uh, pitched like some different ideas here and there. So, but most of it like really was like close to the original what I wrote. But Josh did, uh, Josh did an amazing job at making the vision come to life. Oh, mate, that's awesome. Um, so you talk, um, so how would you describe some of your um, what, your lyrical inspirations? You talked about some of the being able to release some of the stuff that you've been building up for the last ten, fifteen years. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? And also, um, how do you connect the lyrics to the music? Um, I mean, I guess in some ways you sort of talked about vocal patterns there. I mean, as a drummer, that might, must be a, a tad easier in a sense because you'd be fairly rhythmic if you know what I mean but anyway that's a whole lot of questions in one go sorry yeah um, and, and just so I heard you correctly you said like explain some of like the experiences like or the, the lyrical content is what you said yeah yeah so a little bit about the lyrical content but also how you equate that to the and, and connect that with the with the music that you're given I mean because you're given a piece of music and you've got to turn somehow that's got to evoke the same feeling as the lyrics that you're writing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it, it all came from a lot of personal experience, and then also I... If I, if I felt like I, I wasn't completely attached to a subject, I tried to put my, my perspective... Uh, I tried to put the lyrics into, like, the shoes of somebody else. Like, I feel this way... But maybe there's someone out there who's felt this more extreme than I have. So I put myself like kind of in their in their mindset, in their shoes, and I and I wrote uh, from that perspective to kind of give, I guess, the lyrics a little bit more weight, and also just to to make our our lyrical content more relatable. Because something that I always felt in the past was that our songs uh, really didn't have that. Uh, connection with the fans and I always just saw people more so focused on the instrumentation but then like it was almost like the lyrics meant nothing to anybody so I really strive to uh, to make this a very relatable record so like the song the first song we put out Inertia is all about um, the inner workings of somebody uh, or like the inner monologue of, of somebody with suicidal thoughts and it doesn't just talk about oh, like, I'm feeling suicidal, it it talks about the different things that go through people's heads, like, when they feel suicidal, like, um, like, will I disappoint my family, but also, why should they have the right to decide what I do with my life, because this is my life, and if I, if I hate it this much, I should have the right to end it, but then also you think to yourself, no, I'm going to, I'm going to try to persevere, and I'm going to try to show them that I'm not this weak person they think I am, you know, by having these thoughts like I'm going to persevere and that's where the line we are not the same you and I comes from like meaning where you may you may think that a person like me with these thoughts is weak and I'm going to show you that I'm actually stronger than you are so it has kind of like multiple uh, angles from just like that one mindset 
and then um, songs like To Wither Away um, and Comfort and Familiar Pain are about toxic relationships. Um, to Wither Away was about a personal experience of mine where I, I entered a relationship when I wasn't really ready for one, um, even though I thought I was, and I was already in a pretty fragile state of mind and just an over, overall fragile point in my life. And then the person that I ended up dating, you know, I, I didn't realize just how not ready they were either. And uh, they they kind of subjected me to, you know, a lot of, like, emotional abuse where they would treat me like their exes treated them because, you know, they, they never got over their past traumas. And so they reflected onto me. So it felt like they, they kept making me feel like I was somebody that I wasn't. And it, I started to believe it. And I started to feel like as if all the best parts of me were withering away. And so that's what that song is about. And then Comfort and Familiar Pain talks about, you know, after you end a toxic relationship, you still feel like, even though you know you deserve better, you still fall into those tropes of ending up with somebody who is toxic and not good for you. And it's this never-ending battle of deciding when when's the right time to establish that I am good enough and I deserve better. And it describes that feeling at the end of like breaking free from that mindset and finding serenity and finding peace and self-love. And like when approaching the songs, I, I really would just kind of bob my head to the motion of the song and I would just kind of start like almost like mouthing out and like like speaking out just like simple rhythms like over the top like almost like rapping but no words it was like da 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 and I was like okay I like that rhythm but now what am I saying in that flow and I would just let the music direct me um, like is, is this is a super heavy part like is it is it dark heavy is it aggressive heavy is it angry or is it is it dark you know what I mean like I, yeah. and then when the songs get really ambient I'm like is this a is this an ambience of sorrow or is this an ambience of spiritual like rehabilitation so I really just kind of would close my eyes and just sit there and listen and just think of what these songs made me feel and if the, the song made me feel sad I went with a sad song. I went with sad lyrics or a sad situation I dealt with. And so I really did, um, you know, just let the music guide me um, by its tone and, and its overall vibes. Oh, mate, I mean... I mean, like, listening to the way you, what you're talking about and everything, I mean, the, this whole album must be fairly cathartic. Um, yeah, and so so much of a release, not only physically, but uh, mentally and everything as well, and spiritually by the sound of things. I mean... You you wouldn't think so much physically, but because you being a drummer is so um, physical. Rather, than, I mean, guitarist. Uh, not saying that guitarists and singers isn't physical, but you know, the drummer is. You know, there's a lot more energy needed for that. I mean, it must be um, a, a, a fairly happy release. Oh yeah, it's. Uh, I, I definitely know what you mean there, and and yeah, it, it's. Uh... It's honestly the, the most proud of any of anything that I and the rest of the band have ever been. Um, you know, because, like, I, I have obviously felt connected to our releases in the past, but I feel like any band, for the most part, or any artist will tell you that, you know, they obviously are the most proud of their most recent piece of work. Yeah. But it's not only just that here. It's like, for, for me personally, it's because of how much time I spent 
trying to perfect these lyrics and not make anything cheesy or, or like corny. I, and I just, I wanted everything to be natural, like right from like, honestly, like my heart and soul. And I wanted to put that into the words and I, I wanted, you know, us to find the perfect vocals for our band. And, and when, when I found, uh, when I was sent Josh on Instagram, like his profile, I heard his voice and I was like, this guy knows how to translate emotion in his voice so well and he's so articulate with his words and you can understand almost like pretty much everything he's saying without trouble or having to really read the lyrics necessarily so that really all helped and, and it just made this record something so special to me and, and something that I'm still amazed that I was able to be a part of um, and, and I couldn't be more proud of my bandmates for, for like, creating what we've done you know well, that's it, and, and um, yeah, it's like looking, listening to you talking about the lyrical content and everything. I mean, these are all messages that are so important for people to be hearing and and to be, uh, yeah. I mean, as humans, we need to be able to open up and and talk about these things. Um, otherwise, we just keep on going down the same track, you know. And uh, that's the thing. I mean, most people probably don't think of music as being a uh, a pathway to. Uh, I guess helping yourself and assisting yourself through these things but you know I mean it, it's magic when you see uh, things uh, uh, pieces of art like what you guys have done absolutely and I that was what that was a huge thing that music was for me as a kid like there were some bands I just liked them for the music and then other bands that really translated to me uh, with their lyrics and uh, that's always inspired me it's always made me uh very conscious of, of what these bands are singing about, especially when like you can tell that there's like on the surface level a lot of emotion in, in the vocals uh, or in the vocalist's voice and his delivery of things. So I was always a big fan of that, and I always wanted to do it myself. So uh, I definitely channeled like that influence into, into writing like the lyrics and the vocals and stuff. And and you know, like I said, I can't say it enough. I, I'm so proud of Josh for for like the performance he put on this record because he really did cater like it's almost like he like sucked the vision straight out of my my head i was like this is incredible like seeing seeing this happen because i'm not like i, I do some vocals in the band but i'm i don't consider myself a vocalist so seeing somebody like basically take the vision like straight out of your head and, and put it onto you know a computer and record it like the way you imagined it is it, surreal yeah, man, that's it. I mean, it must be a pretty magical experience. So, um, I know you're going to struggle with this question, but I've got to ask it anyway. Um, what would you say is your favourite song or the, the song that you're most proud of from this album? Oh, actually, I it's not as tough as you think. But I mean, I, I did I did kind of struggle with this for a while trying to think. But I I do think, and not to sound cliche, but the the close uh, the the closing song on the record, Atlas. That is, uh, I think, easily the song I'm most proud of. Um, I think it contains some of the most beautiful music we've ever put together as a band, um, and then some of the most meaningful lyrics that I've ever wrote. And, and you know, the guitars, the, like the ambience, it really is the most melodic song that we've ever written. And um, the, the, from the minute I heard even just the demo, I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be the album closer for sure. And uh, I can't wait for everyone to hear it on, on uh, Friday because uh, just overall, like, we've never created a song that was, like, 
you know, mostly melodic like this. Um, like there's there's some like little like heavy parts in there, obviously. Like it, it's not like you know, say a butt rock anthem or, or like a whatever you want to call it, <laughs> um, a, a, a ballad. But it is it is like our melodic closer that I I couldn't imagine being anywhere else on the album other than the end. And lyrically, it is the end of you know like the narrator's uh, journey throughout the record. So I'm I'm very excited for people to hear that one. Oh, mate, that's epic. I've only got a few moments left with you, so I've got uh, two quick questions for you. First off, are you going to be able to do a release show and get any touring in? I mean, I know it's pretty hard times out there at the moment, and it's, it's real touch and go with COVID, whether you can get out. But are you guys going to be able to do anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we unfortunately just had to, to cancel our what was going to be our CD release show, but because uh, we actually just landed a tour that we're leaving for next week with Born of Osiris, Shadow of Intent, and Signs of the Swarm, and that is uh, for about three weeks, and we're going to be hitting like a lot of the East Coast, uh, a lot of the South, like some Midwest uh, areas of the, of, the, of the States, and uh, I, I just couldn't be more more excited for that one because, you know, I've been listening to Born of Osiris since high school, and, and yeah. it influenced all of us at, at one point in our lives, and we're basically one of the catalysts that, you know, made Sentinels sound the way they did, you know, and so, uh, so that's basically our, our next plan, and we're going to be swinging CDs to everyone that, uh, that decides to come to our merch table afterwards. Oh, mate, that's absolutely fantastic, man. And, dude, that must be pretty... You know, you've already said how special it is to be able to go out there and play with some bands like Born of Osiris. You know, I mean, <laughs> dude, playing with some of your heroes. Um, anyway, I've got one last question for you before... <laughs> one last question for you before we let you go, and that is words of advice for young musicians. Um, my advice for young musicians... Um, well, Again, might sound cliche, but I I truly believe that if you put in the work and, and stay driven, stay hungry for the dream, um, you, you can accomplish it. It is a tough world out there, you know, trying to make it as a musician. I certainly had my fair share of times where I felt like giving up, and, and luckily, just at that time, like when I felt like giving up, it started to happen. And... and Hard work can pay off. Just stay driven. Put yourself out there on on the internet. Um, you know, feel free to reach out to local musicians. Start a band. Write good music. Release it the right way on Spotify and, and iTunes and all that stuff. You know, just try to play to as many people as you can in your home area. And then once you start developing a good enough fan base there, then take your music uh, internationally and and throughout the rest of your country and, and slowly work your way out don't start too big and, and burn yourself out because uh, that can ultimately you know look you down yeah, yeah support this show and others like it by giving a donation for more information go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate if you're a fan of NPR listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, 
pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle of Two Peoples Radio. For the second interview, we have a chat with Bill Hudson from the band North Tower. Now, sadly, I did miss the uh, the first part of the call. I missed uh, pressing the button record. <laughs> it happens sometimes on these uh, things. So when we kick into the interview, um, he's talking about finding the new singer for the band. So um, without um, further ado, we're going to kick straight into the interview. Like I say, it is halfway during a little bit of a sentence, but you'll get the drift of it. There we go with Bill Hudson from North Tail. You know, I'm hiring. I'm, 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 uh, I'm making a compromise. You know, I'm hiring this guy. Like before, I had Guilherme. You know, I was thinking to myself, I'm making a compromise. But then Guilherme sends me the demo. It's exactly the voice I have in my head. So I have to rethink the whole thing. I'm like, oh my god! Now I have this guy. He's from Brazil. I'm from Brazil. You know, I, I'm originally from Brazil. But living in America, I know how hard that can be to bring someone over here and and also to Europe, you know, because we play Europe more than, than we do here. But, I mean, how am I going to bring a guy from Brazil there? It's a lot of money. But but it, 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 he was just too good. He was just too good. He was perfectly what I had in my head. You know, like I, I wanted, being from Brazil, I wanted someone who was inspired by Andre Matos, the first singer for Angra. Which, I mean, here in America, nobody talks about him. In Europe, nobody talks about him. But he's like a god in Brazil. And I wanted someone with that quality of voice. And Guilherme just had it. You know, and what I did is I had to go back to the old, to the old the candidate I had. And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. But, you know, this guy really fits the bill. Because I wanted to bring some Brazilian music into it as well. You know, so having a singer from Brazil really helped. I'm sorry for the long answer, but that's kind of it, you know. No, 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 that's perfect. I really appreciate that. Because um, that's what I wanted to touch on a little bit. I mean, we talk, there's, um, you talked about it possibly being solo and all that sort of stuff, but the importance of becoming a band. I mean, yes. that's some of the things that I've picked up from a lot of the stuff I've read about you and that was that you really wanted to have a band and you thought you had the band for the first album. But the, and, and beautifully, I love that you talked, the way you talked about Christian. I mean, it, it's like, you know, um, there was a musical difference, but you're still friends. That's magical, mate, because that must be a hard thing. Um, but, you know, I mean, that, uh, the importance of bringing a band together and finding the right people. I mean, people don't sort of take that into consideration, really. They just sort of, you know, oh, you can just go hire a singer from anywhere. But, dude, finding the right the right player and the, the right person to, to be in a band with is, is incredibly important, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I am a hired gun. You know what I mean? In my, in my, in my actual career, I, I am the guy that learns the songs and goes and plays, you know, with Udo, with Doro, with everything I've done with, with Trans-Siberian Orchestra or Sabotage. I'm, I'm never playing my music. I'm playing covers. You know what I mean? So, um, I'm essentially, I didn't want a bunch of people that do what I do in this band. 
because I feel that it would be cool if I was like a super well-known guitarist, you know. But if we're going to be a band, then it's got to be a real band. You know, it's not Bill Hudson and his Northdale. No, it, we're yeah. Northdale, you know what I mean? So that that was very important to me. And, and more than that, man, I mean, any uh, – well, well, maybe not anybody, but like most people are able to write pretty good songs and, re- and produce them well and release them. We're on a computer, you know what I mean? We want to be a band. We want to go out and play shows, you know, like what you're hearing in the album is what you're seeing in the show. And for that, yeah, I can hire a bunch of guys to do it, but I can also not, you know, I can also create something that's real, which is what, what I want North Tail to be. Oh, man, so this, this is your dream finally coming into fruition, so to speak. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, but it must be pretty special to have. I mean, like you talked about, and we're just going to call him G, uh, about how um, he chased you. I mean, that this must make you feel pretty damn cool, you know. I mean, a lot of people might put in a door in an audition, and, you know, and get told, "Oh no, 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 we've got somebody," and they just go, "Oh no, well, fair enough, so be it." But dude, yeah. this guy chased you, mate. I mean, that, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. You know what? What's what's interesting about this is. When I came to the States, I did the same to a band here. You know, I was in a band called Celador in the mid-2000s. We were a Metal Blade band. We had, a, we had great opportunities. We went, you know, we went on tour with Bullet for My Valentine, Trivium, Behemoth. We went to Japan and played with Heaven and Hell. That band had a lot of potential, but we were idiots. We're drunken idiots, so we, we blew that. <laughs> but in order, you know, when I was in Brazil, and I wanted to join that band, something very similar happened. I wrote them and, and I said, I see you guys need a guitarist, you know, and I would like to try out. And he replied to me, they, they replied just going, yeah, we have someone, but thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. And I'm like, unless you guys have Steve I in your band, I'm a better choice. You should let me, let me audition. And I got the gig like that, you know? So when, when Guilherme kept, chasing me and sending me the message he totally reminded me of this i'm like okay he's doing the same shit that i did i gotta hear this guy you know yeah oh <laughs> man that's absolutely epic so yeah. could you tell us a little bit about the writing and recording process and what you guys went through i mean because i understand with the, the whole COVID effect and everything and um you know not being able to get across to europe or anything like that i mean how did you guys work this time around uh totally online totally online you know dennis ward our producer he's very well versed on online production in fact i didn't realize that the technology was at its at right now because we recorded the whole album kind of in real time with him recording us and hearing it in real time because i mean the first album yeah we recorded at home and and then we we sent it all to be mixed but there wasn't anybody there during the recording process you know that that was that was new to me so that was number one. Pre-production, we got, we got together, me and Dennis, a lot. And I would show him the demos and he would listen and give me these ideas. And because I'm sitting here at home, I can just you know, redo it right on time. It was, it was perfect. It was a great... Um, we did not get together at all as a band, unfortunately. But I did go to Brazil to record the singer. Because I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> Honestly, I was thinking that his videos might be fake, you know, and he sent yeah. me the auditions. I'm like, all right, I got to see this in person, man. 
So, you know, my parents, my family still live there. So I literally, I got on a plane as soon as the pandemic allowed. And I went there and I spent maybe a month in Brazil, re like recording with him, coming up with lyrics. It was great. It was great. It was a great bonding experience too. Well, that's it. And that's what a lot of what being in a band is about, is that, that bonding experience between everybody and everybody sort of sharing and everything. Exactly, yes. Oh, mate, that's awesome. So when it comes to the music, uh, I know this is a weird kind of question. It's really difficult to phrase it, but how does the music come to you? How do you sort of hear music or do you see music? How does it personally come to you? Um for when it's writing, do you hear like phrases or just a riff here or, or a whole song? I mean, what is it that you, how does the music come to you? It can be, it can be a lot of different ways. And, you know, I'm, I'm older, I'm 38. So I'm not like, uh, I'm not starting my, my career right now, but I am starting my writer career now. You know, like I never, um, I didn't write much music until, I don't know, five or six years ago, a little before Northfield started. So a lot of the, inf a lot of the stuff uh, that comes to me um, is normally, it's normally a chorus. Like it, it's normally a very happy melody for a chorus, you know, and then in, uh, I'll, 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 I'll sit with an acoustic guitar and play the melody and sing until, until I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool only then I get a guitar and I start trying to write riffs, you know, but then there's stuff like there's a song called in the name of God on the album. And the way that song came about is we were backstage in Japan as a band, this, this only this part, you know, uh, and my bass player was playing bass and I, I, I just kept like on my going on my leg, like, I just started doing that. I told my bass player, I'm like, hey, just can you play that on the bass? And then he did that. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, that can be a song. And we started doing that right backstage in Japan. And then I never forgot that riff. And we, you know, kept, uh, we, we filled in the blanks after. So it can be anything. Um, a song like Wings of Salvation, track two, that is about... That 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 song came the other way around. It came from a concept. It's a concept because uh, I want I want to bring a little bit of Brazil uh, culture to through our music. And uh, even though even though Wings of Salvation is not musically is not Brazilian, the the theme is it's about the inventor of the airplane. At least what we in Brazil are taught uh, that is the inventor of the airplane <laughs> is this guy named Santos Dumont. Which, uh, as far as we know in Brazil, he invented the airplane. I never even heard of the Wright brothers until I moved to America. <laughs> yeah. and, and the thing is, I did some research on this because I'm like, okay, that's, that's too crazy a claim. You know, like somebody, one of them did it, you know. So as it turns out, the Wright brothers did it first, but Santos Dumont did it in style. He flew around the Eiffel Tower in like 1906. Wow. And, and then he killed himself when he found out that planes were being used uh, on the First World War. So, wow. like that, I always thought that story was fascinating. And we're taught that in school, you know. So, so I wanted to write a song about that guy. So the riffs, the chords, the melodies, everything that I thought, uh, 
was always thinking, oh, well, you gotta, you know, it's gotta sound like a plane taking off, you know, like that. It's gotta sound like, you know, like that. The triplet, the triplet thing, the, you can call it a gallop, you can call, you can make a pirate song, but you can do an airplane song too, you know. You're just choosing the right melodies and chords. So that, that song came out of concept. And then there's a bunch of songs that I just had riffs and I sang something on top of it, like Eternal Flame. That's one, you know, I just had a bunch of the riffs and melodies and we, and our singer just wrote lyrics on top of it. So there's really no, there's really no, no like set way that I write. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads directly into my next uh, question, which is about the, the, the connection between music and lyrics. I mean, you just talked about the, the, the galloping and, and writing a song with an aeroplane in mind, and that would have been the music. How do, how do you do that? I mean, uh, it must be, I mean, like you write a mu- piece of music. Is that something that you're conscious of when you're writing that music? Or do you just write some music and then later on think, oh, actually, yeah. yeah. I mean, how do you get that, uh, that, that quite, uh, sort of, how, how do you describe it? How do you bring it together, find that connection between yeah, music and lyrics? Yeah, I think, so, so first of all, in the first album, I didn't have a chance to do this at all. So that's very important to me this time around. Because on the first album, I wrote the two first songs, uh, Evangels Are Real, which was for a friend who had died. And shape your reality, which is like my beliefs, you know, like that you can make anything, anything that you want is possible. So, and then Christian came in and he was just writing whatever he wanted. And, and there was no connection, you know, I would give him the melody and he would fit in with, with words. But I always thought that that approach was too lazy. I wanted, I wanted something that when you sing, it made sense, you know, like I want to, I want I work with David Vincent from Morbid Angel in I Am Morbid, you know, and and he always tells me that he likes my songs, but the singers, he doesn't believe the singer. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and the first time he said that, and when I say my songs, I mean the songs I like, you know. So the first time he said that, I kind of made fun of him. I was like, yeah, of course, because they're not growling. <laughs> and, you know, and he's yeah. like, no, it's not that. It's It's that that's too perfect what, what they're saying it, 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 they can say anything it doesn't the lyrics are just part of it when he's told me that i'm like you know that's true that's yeah. very true about power metal you know it, it doesn't really matter what they're saying because it's the focus is all on the melody you know and because of that there's so many bad lyrics so and we had terrible lyrics on the first album because of that you know so i i didn't want that to be the case this time so i i i I really wanted something meaningful. And like in this case with the airplane, you know, um, for, 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 uh, I, I, I assume that you, you play music or a musician. Uh, I'll, so, I'll try to. <laughs> okay. Well, if you want to, you know, like if you want to do something that is an airplane taking off or a, or a rocket taking off or space, anything like that is the lithium mode, you know, and like that's musical knowledge that, 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 you can go by trial and error, but you can also just know it. You know what I mean? Because you've seen it enough in movies and, and you work with, I, I, we had a, we have a very good orchestrator. And when I told him about the plane taking off, I'm like, just be leading about it. And everything that he did was very leading because it sounds like, it. you know, same with space and the same with the land of mystic rice, the Brazilian song, 
that's a different mode. That's still lithium, but the lithium dominant with the minor seven is the same thing. That 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 kind of music is made using that scale, you know. So 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 a lot of it is musical knowledge, and 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 just you know thinking like a song like Mid- Midnight Bells, you know, really heavy song. That song can't be about anything happy, you know. Yeah. Even if the melody is happy in the middle, the song needs to be dark. It needs to be a darker tone and subject. You know, it just because the songs that I grew up with were like that. You know, you think of Iron Maiden, Aces High. Like you don't need the lyrics to know that those song that's about two planes chasing each other. Yeah. You know, like like you don't need the lyrics to know. So it, it's so it's it, I always was attracted to that, and that and I didn't have a chance on the first album to do it. So this time around, I did on the, just about every song. You know? Like every song has a connection, the music to the lyrics. That's awesome, mate, and, and that's what I was trying to, to to ask about. I mean, because that's I mean, when you listen to to music and you um, try to like, for instance, we'll just go with Bohemian Rhapsody, um, and and you take away the lyrics, does that music still have that same feeling? If you know what I mean, and, and bring those, invoke those uh, images and thoughts, and, and that was where I was like, you know, if you took that music away and just had the lyrics, would Bohemian Rhapsody be the same? And that's kind of you've got to have that balance between the both. The, the music's got to complement and have that connection with the lyrics so that it works. I mean, yes. like, you know, if you were to write. Uh, play the music of Bohemian Rhapsody and sing a song about peanut butter, it just wouldn't work if you know what I mean. Yeah, but quite a few power metal bands do something like that. You know yeah. what I mean? You read the lyrics and you're like, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> For the power of steel, I will fly through the fire. You know, yeah. people coming up with words, you know, that sound cool. I yeah. hate that man. That's uh, I don't listen to those bands, and I don't. I didn't want my band to be like that. You know. Oh, it's right, and it's important to have lyrics that have um, some meaning and some connection yeah. to the, you know, that's what music's about, and especially for yourself being in a band. I mean, you, you've talked about being a hired gun. I mean, you would have learned so much stuff uh, from all these different artists over the over the time. I mean, and, you know, bringing those all into this must be, you know, quite special. Yeah, and you know what, man? Uh, I I have to say that it's... When I say, okay, like uh, when I talk about my inspirations and my influences, I normally say Halloween, I say Stradivarius, Gamma Ray, Angra. Those are the bands I grew up listening to. That's the kind of music I wanted to make. But as a songwriter, I have to say that I'm a lot more influenced by songs that I learned. You know, like the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, Udo, Doro, uh, Sabotage, Circle to Circle, I Am Morbid, you know, Morbid Angel. So a lot of this... uh, a lot of this this music found its way into North Hills music because it's my main reference, you know. Yes. Like it's like when I play a guitar, like uh, I know these riffs a lot better than I know some of my favorite riffs. You know, yeah. like yeah, I love Iron Maiden, but I highly doubt that I can play their songs as accurate as I can play Morbid Angel. You know what I yeah. mean? Because I, so it, it's like that finds its way into into music for sure. You know, and it's unconscious. I'm not even trying. It just happens, you know. Oh, mate, that's absolutely magical. Well, I've only got a few moments left with you before we got to knock it on the head. Um, first off, I wanted to talk to you about bringing in Kai Hansen and his son. I mean, dude, that's absolutely epic, eh? That must have been quite special. Dude, yeah. You know what, man? I, I saw Kai Hansen playing with Gamma Ray Live when I was 14 years old. And before then, 
the only shows I had seen were just like super big shows. Like I saw Michael Jackson when I was nine. I saw yeah. what did what did I see after that? I saw oh that, yeah. Well, I I I can't man. I don't even think I saw anything else. Like uh, Gamma Ray was like coming to Brazil. And me being in a place that didn't have like a million people, you know, you're close enough to see the band on stage. That shit changed my life, you know. And it was Kai Hansen, you know. I remember, I remember the, the audience had no idea what he was saying, but they were reacting accordingly. I did. I had no idea what he was saying. I didn't speak English, and 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 I remember being like, man, you know. I want to be like that guy, you know, like, uh, like I, I love the music he writes. I love his energy. And then one day, uh, a couple of years ago, this was like four or five years ago. I ended up meeting him when I was on tour with Udo and, and, and I was trying not to be starstruck because he was on my backstage, you know, and I'm like, holy shit, that's Kai Hansen. How do I not act like I'm starstruck? Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, we, we, we talked, you know, we, we spent, we spent a lot of time together. Um, I, uh, we had another show, uh, we had a show in the next town and I didn't go. I stayed to hang out with him and then took the train the next morning. So, uh, we became friends that night and I sent him the demos of the first album. And I remember, and I wanted him to produce. And I remember him telling me, oh man, this is like, He's like, this is good, but it's it, what we said here. You know, it's like, it's whatever. It's basic power metal. He's like, it doesn't have anything special. But what I was like, I'm still going to release it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't. And But, but anyway, he wasn't too interested in, 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 in producing us at that time. When I sent him this new shit, then he's like, man, this is a lot better. You know, this is this I like. And I was like, fuck, dude, you want to record? You know, you want to you be a guest? And he's like, yeah absolutely i was like what do you want to do you want to sing you want to play guitar he's like well how about i sing and i bring my son to play guitar i'm like holy shit yeah yeah you have a son who play and now me and tim are buddies you know i text with him we're, we're talking too too a lot i didn't even know he, about him until then you know and he All was right. i mean and what i was looking for on a Kai Hansen guest appearance, he absolutely delivered. That scream at the beginning, his voice, you know, his lows, everything. I'm like, dude, like, it was, it's this song I probably listen to every day as a fan, you know, regardless <laughs> of having written it. I just listen because it's Kai and I like it. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favorite show. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle 2 People's Radio. Hey 
And for this section, we were lucky enough to t- talk to Kim from the band Mole. So, without further ado, we'll kick straight into it, and uh, you'll get the intro. Thank you. G'day, we're talking with Kim from the band Mole. I hope we've pronounced that correctly. Uh, they're yeah. about to release their newest album, Diorama, coming out on November the 5th. It's just over two weeks. You must be getting excited. Very much excited. Um, I think the the... The response, as well as it, 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 I think I have a, a sense of that that we're on par with at least the response that we got from our debut album, York. Uh, so it's it, it, it's I I just think we're fortunate <laughs> to to be able to keep the the steam level as high as it uh, as it is, both uh, press wise, but also. I think in terms of uh, of the release that we're we're about to release, yeah. Excellent. So you, you've put out three singles so far, and, and uh-huh. so far the, you've released three singles so far. So the response has been pretty good to that. Yeah, like one of the things that we've uh, kind of um, been we've 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 kind of been. Uh, I don't know if we'd, we'd say uh, anxious about, but but uh, we do have we have expanded a bit on our sound uh, comparing to our debut album. But I think we have the main components there still. Like we are, we do make guitar music uh, with a great emphasis on uh, on guitar. Uh, so you know, melodies front and center, and um, I'd say a more organic maybe a bit more um noisy production production a bit in a good way you know um (laughs) one of the things that i know that our main songwriter nikolai uh, really likes like he 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 grew up with sonic youth and uh slow dive uh, you know a lot of uh, great great bands but from a from a more of a uh, of alternative rock background than um than a strictly metal one and i think his way of thinking about song structures and about melody keeping that front and center that's that's one of the things that makes our music um I don't know if you'd say accessible because I do think there's a lot of distortion, uh, but you know it's served it's served up nicely with a bow tie. Uh, so there's uh, there's just something, you know. I think there's something for everyone in in this release. Yes. Oh, that's absolutely awesome. So, how long have you had to sit on this album? I mean, have you did you guys record this quite some time ago and have to sit on it, or is this fairly recent for you guys? Well, we re- recorded um, November last year. Okay. So, uh, I, I, but we've taken, I think, about about a year to to write uh, the whole thing. Like, we were, I think we had four rough demos. Um, um, no, not rough demos. We actually had, like, finished demos, like, uh, two years ago that we initially presented to our former label. So I know that we, we did have something to bargain with, especially when we, um, when we um, 
negotiated the deal with Nuclear Blast. Uh, so we just, you know, with COVID and all, but also on on a like a career level, we just had a lot to a lot on our plate um, during you know the last last year. Um, so I I, I just I, I think we're really fortunate to have come come out uh, with. Uh, yeah, with a sense of uh, of ease on top of uh, you know what's been going on. Yeah, man. Well, it's a pretty anxious time out there for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about the the writing and recording process that you guys go through um, uh, for yourself and for the rest of the band? Yeah, I can. Well, I know Nikolai, uh, our uh, the guitarist. He's just. Um, He's usually the one who initializes, uh, who starts out with, uh, you know, the layout of the song. Uh, And um, he, one of the things in comparison to one of the, some of the other bands that I've played in, like he, he brings whole concepts to the table. Um, So it's really easy for, uh, for the rest of us to kind of, uh, see where where he go, he's going at he he's he's nailing down a lot of you know the the main structural parts of the song and usually uh, Ken uh, the drummer they are the two you know the uh, the two original members of the band um, they um, they sit down and and uh, discuss most of uh, the, the the writing process and then when they when they're two when they're too um let yeah w- w- when they can't make up their minds uh they usually bring me into the mix <laughs> oh, man, so awesome. uh, you know usually they they do end up with parts and uh that might sound uh where they're going but they make it easy for me because <laughs> they they usually we we want to do this part or do do that part Wh- which one do you prefer that one yeah I win <laughs> so that I think there's a a good um, the the most of the writing process is actually um, happening between uh, our drummer and our guitarist and uh, and then. When they're finished with like uh, the the layout of of the song, um, they bounce the files to the rest of the band, and and I get uh, to have a go at some vocal parts, um, and you know that's that's when we up when end up with uh, with uh, with tracks, but the coherent feeling of listening to an album from one one end to the other. That I know that's something that Nikolai actually thinks a lot about, and I do uh, as well as a as a lyricist. Um, it's uh, this music, you know, it makes you feel something, and that's one of the reasons why I love it. Uh, on top of a lot of, you know, I've done a lot of hardcore and death metal um, previously, but but you know, you can just keep uh, a concert. 
and experience going for a longer uh, time because there's just so much dynamics uh, happening in the soundscape. Yeah. Um, so I try to complement it as much as I can with my instrument uh, instead of trying to pull the focus, you know, towards me uh, as a frontman. That's one of the... Uh, that's one of the reasons why I say the guitars are, are the, the, the main uh, instrument in some sense. And we build up on top of that. Oh, mate, that, that's awesome, man. So do they bring you um, like concepts and ideas of what they are wanting lyrically? Um, and if not, how do you find the connection between your lyrics and the music? I mean, when you're listening to what they've given you, does it just suddenly come into your head? Oh, I like this. And you know, this gives me that idea of what this might be about. How does that work for you? Well, uh, I'm mostly inspired by say life experiences. And the, the good thing about Nikolai's songwriting is, is I do get pictures in my head. Uh, as soon as I get the demos, I, I can connect some some sort some of the experiences that, that I have. The the first album Yard was kind of con, kind of a conceptual. Uh, you know, it, it really ruminated up, upon themes like mortality and you know how do we end up? Uh, what do we? What do we? Um, what is it all for? Yeah. <laughs> um, I wrote the first album during uh, uh, half a year of sick leave because of burnout. Uh, so I went through, um, you know, half a year when I where I just got to, you know, write this album with uh, with the other guys. They actually, I think, from the initial demos up until the release of your they your they had, I think they spent five years. So we've kind of sped up the process in some sense yeah. with the, the latest album, but it's also about finding pathways to, you know, um, know what works and what doesn't work. We don't have, we used to be like a, a greater democracy, but um, I think the way that we're structured actually works in our favor right now. Um, but um, yeah, uh, so your was very much about me questioning life or at least uh, questioning my background. I used to, I grew up in a really religious uh, family and was really, uh, you know, uh, did find a lot of identity in that. And that half a year actually got me, you know, that was one of the main uh, parts of my life where I had to felt like questioning a lot of things. So Diorama is actually a continuation on that theme. Um, w when you when you when you lose meaning or sense uh, of the world around you and the universe and what's it all for, what do you end up with? We end up with each other, yeah. for better and for worse. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh mate, that's that, that's so true, and 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 we're in a um a pretty interesting spot in the world right now, aren't we? <laughs> Um, you know, we we all get to kind of. Uh, I think I saw a, a, um, an author in, um, 
calling the lockdown and all for the great pause, you know, the calling it the great pause. It's a, it's a, you know, people can really could have used this time at least to uh, reflect on some of the things that they either, either want to change in their life or um, if they want to go another direction, because, you know, like for our band, I know two of the members, uh, they got to become parents uh, during the lockdown as well. So, you know, we, we've, you know, life goes on and it, and it just doesn't stop. Uh, but your your um, your mind can get kind of a, um, at least an opportunity to take a break, um, especially if you know when you when we all feel the grind, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why I we all you know really like the escapism that is hidden within the type of music that we play we want that space to be uh uh yeah a place of contemplation or at least a place where you get get to leave you know the whole world behind and get sucked into that feeling excellent so you talked briefly about um the album and, and being a concept and and starting uh being something that you can listen to all the way through from start to finish how important is that i mean like nowadays with the way that the music's changing the music industry is changing a lot of people are just like just hitting singles or you know just going on spotify and all that i mean how hard is it to then fight that i mean how do you uh, counter that and, and make it help people listen to to a whole album? I mean, I know things like um, putting out different formats helps, and vinyl uh, resurgence is really helping, and things like that. Uh-huh. As a band, how do how do you guys look at that? Well, that's on also one of the components. You, you know, we borrow a lot from post rock and post uh, metal. Um, with the shoegazy part, you know, post rock originally comes from from I, you know, that melting pot of genres. Um, but there's a trope in in that uh, way of writing music where you know you 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 get um, you get a eight minute build up and then you get to the you know crescendo. And uh, we really like to skip, skip all that, you know, just <laughs> get to get get to the hooks, get to the melodies, and in some sense, that's pretty pop inspired. But I, the way that we think about the mix uh, and the you know different layers, uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, cool things going on there. Uh, you know that that can get people introduced to these kind of genres. Two seconds, I have to plug in the battery. You're right, Matt. <laughs> go. Sweet man. Yeah, the the power outlet wasn't uh, turned on. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're all good, mate. So, um, what would you describe as one of your favorite songs or the song that you're most proud of off this new album? Well, I really like. I think at least there's two two trends that tracks that stand out to me. Um, 
you or or free one of our singles uh called vestige the, our latest single uh, i really like uh, how we kind of bridge some of that you know you know pop punk energy in some sense bring that into the mix and and uh i know our drummer is a you know a huge bling 182 fan so uh <laughs> Travis Barker's work on uh, on his uh, way of playing drums is a huge inspiration to, to Ken. Um, so uh, I think you can hear a bit about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, people tend to put us into a, category, in, into a category of, you know, pitting black metal and... Uh, uh, and you know the atmospheric shoegazy parts, but I think we do have a lot of. We we try not to think too much into the tropes, or at least we we're aware that they are they are there. And you know when you know a rule, it's pretty, it's pretty enticing to break it. Um, <laughs> so I think that gives us a lot of 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 freedom in some sense um there's a there's a thing with you know a lot of fresh metal and when death metal you know you, you find when you get that a specific sound when writing like that you follow a cultural norm or some sense you you follow uh, the things that previous artists have built before you and we're we're no strangers to that we are also a product product of what we've listened to um so knowing that we come in succession from something like that um it it gives you a great amount of respect for for the music but but you know if you want to master something you have to know that genre in some sense but also know you know where does it where is the the correct uh, moment to kind of break off or do something different so vestige one track and then um the two um, uh the two last tracks on the album uh twisten and uh, diorama um those two stand out to me a lot personally um they are both written in danish so you know half of the world might not you know know what's <laughs> going on there lyrically but um there's some uh there's some um those two tracks are tied together and uh i as i mentioned before uh like the first album was mostly about mortality this one is actually about you know i think these are some of my more personal songs so being written in danish it just conveys a lot of more emotions that i couldn't uh, you know i i think i couldn't express it in in english in a way that carries the same weight. Yeah. Oh, mate, that's awesome. So um, one of the um, things that I, I personally enjoyed when I was listening to the album, um, and, and one of the things that I really like about, I mean, you talked about being uh, these different genres and all this, that people pigeonhole you and all that sort of thing. I don't, I'm sort of like try to sway away from that because I mean, like, I'm an older dude and yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I wouldn't call myself, uh, you know, I've, 
tend towards the, the you know you stick to the old school and all that sort of thing but what i'm loving seeing is the, the youth and we've got to i mean us old people have got to say you know here's the new stuff don't stick to those old rules and that's what i love about bands like yourself is that you're taking these uh old things and you're turning them into new things and you're reinventing oh. and, and helping that evolution because the music can't it'll go stale if we just stick to the old ways you know you've got to mm. have that move forward and that's one of the things I like about, uh, I really liked about yourself, um, especially with that first opening song, man, was the the vocal diversity and the different ranges and styles that you were using. Um, but it flowed and it wasn't something that was so, it was, wasn't like it was abstract and, you know, yeah. just. Here's the jazzy part. Here's the, the and here's the, you know. <laughs> that, that, that was something that, you know, it, it's pretty cool, man. And, and it's cool to see that evolution and for the, for the as I would call it, you young fellas, <laughs> getting out there and do, paving the way for the next generation. Yeah, and, and that's it. I mean, this music's got to evolve. There, there's, there's at least a, a story to be told. And I, uh, you know, either through the sound, uh, you know, I really love when people can, can pinpoint, oh, that, you know, that might be a melody inspired by that band or yeah. um and you know at maybe somebody some you know do find the the, the inspirations uh, at one point uh, but uh, but but you know what i like about the the whole thing of trying to interpret what we're doing is you know we 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 make something send it out into the universe and then somebody takes it and makes it their own yeah um, and that's just what music can do. Yeah, well, that's it. And it's something pretty special, isn't it? And, you know, um, you've talked about your own personal journey with this album, um, and you can tell just by looking at you that obviously it's been quite a release. I mean, and that's something quite special to metal, isn't it? Um, you know, that, that we seem to be able to do. I don't know. Are we maybe more in tune with our feelings or something weird like that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a bizarre thing <laughs> it's it I, I i do feel there's a there's a, at least some sense of um well i i get a lot of uh i like writing music but what i really like is playing live that's that's uh, this this music is meant to be played live i know there's a uh, loads of guitar tracks and stuff like that but we do uh always think live into the mix how does this um build our set list how how can we diversify this we have we're really fortunate to you know you know standing in the midst of a lot lots of different genres and that makes a lot of um it, 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 it we're able to tour with bands that are really, really heavy. And we're also able to tour with bands that are maybe not even metal. Um, So I like how that kind of works in our favor. Um, But to do that, you also need to know, you know, who are you? How, how how am I in comparison to that? How can we complement a tour package of uh, five technical death metal bands? Um, (laughs) You, you get to be the breather on the package yeah. um, in some sense. And I, I like that we can 
diversify you know a show or at least an evening um, with a, a package of uh, of other bands as well. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. I've only got a few moments left with you. Um, but are you guys going to be able to do a release show? Uh, yeah, well, we are able to do that. Actually, the lockdown, you know, all restrictions are lifted in Denmark. Um, so we just had, our, our, you know, a couple of weeks back, we had our first, like, real, real show with the stage diving and uh, all of the stuff that I like. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we have... Uh, release show next week uh, in our local uh, city in Aarhus here in Denmark, and then uh, a, a second one the um, the fifth um, on um, a venue called Hotel Cecil in in uh, in, um, in Copenhagen. Oh, mate, that's epic, mate! Yeah, a lot of bands are struggling to get out there, and that's uh, it's really hard. Yep. So it's really cool to hear that you guys are able to do that. Well. You know, touring is uh, is looking kind of still kind of rocky at the moment, but you know, we booked a headlining tour for uh, for this February in the in Europe and in in the in the UK. So hopefully, we'll get to your part of uh, the world in hopefully next year. I really, uh, I would love we would love to do as much touring as possible. Yeah, man. Oh, we would love to have you down here in New Zealand, man. It would be an absolute pleasure. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, man. Anyway, um, we've just about run out of time. I've got one last question for you before we go. That is uh, words of advice for young musicians. Yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, what, what, a, word, a word of advice. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's a lot that goes into finding your sound. Uh, so, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, dibble dabble, but but uh, find a footing in that before you go, um, before you go touring, or at least you know do a small run, find out what works, what works in a live setting, what works on on record, and you know you just get so much experience out of that. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate if you're a fan of npr listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier just search for accessmedia.nz on the app store or google play and download the app with the kiwi fruit logo once you've got it pick manawatu people's radio from the list of stations and go find your new favorite show Welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle 2 People's Radio. And to finish off the show, we were lucky enough to talk to Cam Lee from the band Massacre. So without further ado, we're going to have an interview. It really sucks that we don't do this visually because, uh, man... As you would hear about it, he has some really cool stuff in his house, um, and the setting for this interview was very cool. Anyway, without further ado, here is Cam Lee 
um, from the band Massacre. G'day, we're talking with Cam Lee from the band Massacre. They're about to release their newest album, Resurgence, on October the 22nd. It's only two days away down here in New Zealand. How are you today, Cam? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I've been doing video uh, interviews all day and, and uh, talking to the label again today. So uh, it's, I've had a full day, but it's, it's been cool. Oh, that's awesome, mate. Now, this is only going to go out as audio, but I do want to talk about something. That you've got some awesome things in the background there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I got this. Well, this head right here, this is uh, Sam for Trick or Treat. This is when he doesn't have his burlap sack on. Uh, <laughs> this is just a random skull here. Um, this is the zombie from uh, Lucio Fulci's zombie. This is the worm worm eye guy, the guy. Uh, this is the peewee head from, they call it a peewee head from Evil Dead 2, but it's Henrietta or when Ted Raimi came out of the, the base, the cellar as uh, the old lady Henrietta. So that's, no. that, that's the face that looks, that stretches in Evil Dead 2. And I've got more stuff back here that you can't see and up back over here, but uh, that's oh, what man. you can, yeah. Oh, that's I, awesome, man. Getting all set up for Halloween, yeah? Actually, no, this is, Every year, <laughs> this is this is stuff that I have out all year round. Uh, I'm a big horror uh, freak, so my house is full of this stuff. So it's Halloween every day here. So uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, that's absolutely awesome, mate. That's a very cool collection. I just thought I should uh, share that with the uh, audience because it, it, I thought it was very cool. I appreciate that. So anyway, um, on to um, the newest album about to come out, Resurgence. Um, first off, I wanted to talk to you about the album art. Who you got? Who you got to do that, and um, the inspiration for it? Uh, well, we got. Uh, I got. Um, of course, uh, I came back in the band in 2017, and uh, it's been a long trek trying to get it going. And you know, of course, when I came back, Rick was originally in it, but he quit in 2019. And uh, I had to kind of like shuffle and get things going so I could get the right, correct members. And then I ended up, uh, we had a couple guys that didn't really work out. The, they weren't the right uh, fit for the band. And then uh, I, I was already talking to Nuclear Blast by then. And I knew that we had a, we, you know, I was talking to a label. We had a record deal. I, I, I knew I had to do a, a proper death metal record. And I was sitting down and my wife was the one that said, why do you keep trying to look for guys in town or local guys? You've worked with the perfect set of guys for years. You've worked with Roga Johansson. You've worked with Johnny Pedersen. These guys are brilliant. Why don't you work with them? Of course, you know, it's always the woman that always has the best idea. And I was like, <laughs> you know, you're right. You're right. Why am I looking in, out here when I, sh I have these guys available right now. And I reached out to Roga first and I asked him, I, uh, I remember it was in Facebook Messenger and I said, hey, Roga, would you help me with Masker? And he was like, yes, of course, you, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm your man. And uh, everybody else just kind of fell into place because I'd worked with all these guys prior before, even Scott Fairfax, I had worked with him on his uh, recent band uh, As the World uh, Dies. So it's like I had worked with everybody and it was a perfect fit because mainly these guys are massacre fans. Um, and that was the main thing is I needed to have guys that weren't just random musicians that said, Oh yeah, I played death metal, but I've never heard from beyond. No, these guys that I got grew up listening to classic massacre. So they're all massacre fans. Well, that's a important part of it, isn't it? And, and, you know, and having the band all on the same page because quite often that can be it. And finding the right guys, mate, that, I mean, that's it. I mean, I'm glad you listened to your wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Awesome. So could you tell us a little bit about the journey to this album? Because, I mean, you said you way back in 2017 was when you got back with the band and that. Could you tell us about how you got to where we are now? Okay, well, yeah, that's that's easy. When 2017, I got back in the band. Of course, there was a little bit of, as soon as I got back in and it was with Rick and, and the drummer that played prior on the Back From Beyond album, um, it started, it was good. It started off good. It started really good. And then we hit a, a bump in the road because, uh, Rick was a little quick to make the announcement that I was back in the band. Um, and, uh, that started a little bit of controversy between, uh, Rick and Terry Butler, who they were in the band together. And Ter- Terry wrote, uh, a response back saying, Oh, you guys can't call yourself massacre because I own the trademark. Um, so there was what I call the period of the name wars went on. Uh, it was in 2017 where, you know, a lot of people can read on the internet. We were called Massacre X at one time. And that was the bass player at the time's idea to call us Massacre X. And then that was only lasted for a couple of months. And then, uh, we were called gods of death, which was actually a promoter's idea. There was a promoter (laughs) in, in Germany that said, Hey, why don't you guys just call yourselves gods of death? And we were going for that under that moniker for a little bit. But during all this time, what was really happening behind the scenes is I have a lawyer. Uh, I've had a lawyer for years. And I said, uh, when Terry made the threat that he owned the trademark, I said, okay, I don't take threats real easy. I'm not that guy. You just can't threaten me. And I'm supposed to just, I'm not going to cower like a puppy which with its tail between its legs and hide under the table uh, when somebody's booming their thunder. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll go do the things the legal way. I'll get my lawyer involved. Yeah. And so uh, I, you know, when, when a lawyer's involved, you're not supposed to say anything out loud. You're just supposed to just let the lawyer do his job. So all this time when the name wars was going on, my lawyer was looking into it and my lawyer got back in touch with me a couple of weeks later. And he said, Hey, this is a bluff. They don't own the name. Uh, they registered for the name two days after you made the announcement. He goes, but it does, it does, it doesn't just happen that way. It's, and it, it really does take a long time to get a, a, a name uh, trademarked. It's not like you could go out tomorrow and go, you know, I like the, the word purple. I want to trademark the word purple and tomorrow you, you can just register. No, it takes a long time. It goes through a a big legal process where it has to go through. um, It has to go before a judge. And because it's, and because it's the United States of America, anything that's legal takes forever. So uh, it, it took about six to seven months before a judge even looked at it. So we were in sort of the stage for six or seven months before the judge looked at it. Once the judge signed off on it and said, okay, this guy looks like he's going to use it in commerce and stuff. Then it goes through a contestant period where there's several months where if anybody else wanted to come along and say, you know, I want that name. I want the name Massacre. I'm going to contest it. It, It's given a chance for them to come and do that. However, that went on for four months after a six months period. And then it goes back into where after the contestant period goes back into, then you have to pay all these court fees and, and all this stuff to have these lawyers go in and, and, and basically sit in a room and kind of pass paperwork around and go, Hey, this guy wants the name massacre. Okay. Was well, anybody else want it? No. Okay. Well, let's sign this. And then, so it literally took almost two years from wow. the, 2017 through the it, I got the rights I got the final rights the final okay in November of 2018 so that's how long it literally took so it took oh. almost a year and a half but as soon as 2018 happened we made the announcement okay we can call ourselves massacre we started booking shows and everything started happening 
But by that time, because so much time had passed, I don't know what goes on in Rick's mind. I really don't. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to try to guess. But I really got the feeling that by that time, when we started playing out, uh, he just didn't seem like he cared anymore. It seemed, and it, it was coming across in, in his performance. And uh, I, I had a talk with him. I just, I, it wasn't like I bitched at him or screamed at him. I just literally had a man-to-man talk. I said, look, Rick, you have to take other people into consideration. It's not just about you. It's not just about the party. Um, you have to take me into consideration. You have to take Mike Borders into consideration. You have to take the drummer into consideration because these are other people's uh, that are relying on this as a legitimate, you know, we're taking this serious. Um, and he kind of laughed it off and just kind of said, ah, no one complains. And I'm like, well, I'm complaining. And then, uh, he made an announcement that he quit. He just said, I quit. And the drummer's coming with me. And it was like, it really put us in a situation because we had shows booked. We had uh, shows down in South America booked. We had shows in Germany booked. So I had to quickly kind of put together a band and we started, uh, really fast trying to like get people locally to come and try out. And there was guys showing up to these tryouts that have never heard massacre before, but they were coming to try out for the band. And there was a drummer that was literally sitting behind his drum kit on his phone, pulling up the from beyond album to listen to it and then say, okay, I can play it. (laughs) And I was like, I I turned to Mike board. I said, this is a waste of our time. Why are we wasting? Oh yeah. I can't work with these guys. We eventually got a couple guys in the band that I thought were going to work out. They came in band. The, the, the attention was we needed guys to come in to finish these shows. Really, really, that's what it was. We had shows, we had tours, and they came in and they did a great job of doing that. But then they kind of got to the point where I feel they felt that they were deserved a bigger, higher position in the band. Right. And they came to us and they said, oh, we wrote the whole album. And we're like, I was like, what do you mean you wrote the whole album? And they're like, oh, we already wrote the album. I was like, nah, it doesn't work like that, man. (laughs) You just, you don't come and bring me music and say you wrote the album. I tried to work with it and a lot of the stuff just didn't work. It wasn't really massacre material. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) I then told them, I approached them and I said, look, we got to work on stuff. And they took it very offensively. They, 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 they got really butt hurt and said, ah, you don't appreciate what we're doing for you. And I'm like, no, you don't appreciate what I'm doing for you. Uh, you know, and it's, it's, it, they turned it around on me and made me out to be a, a bad guy. And I said, okay, whatever. So they quit the band too. I didn't kick them out. They quit. Yeah, yeah. Um, everybody quits. And it, it's, I, I always come across these individuals that can't seem to like get their way. So they quit. It's almost like little children. I, I, you can't get my way. I'm walking out. And it's yeah. like, they're like kids. So that's what happened. And then, like I said, we got back to the point where I was looking for more people. And my wife was like, why are you looking for more local people? Why are you doing that? Work with the people you've already worked with for 15 years. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And that's where we got to now. Oh, mate, that's absolutely fantastic. So um, could you tell us a little bit about the writing and recording process and all that? And um, who did all the writing? I mean, was this something that was just you? You did a lot of the writing or did you have the other guys involved? How, how did that Everybody- process go for you? Everybody was involved. Now, the one thing that we do, um, which is kind of modernized, uh, it's not like the, it's not like a bunch of guys get together in a garage anymore because all these guys are all over the world. You know, I've got two guitar players in Sweden. Scott Fairfax is in in the UK. Uh, our drummers from Norway. Um, but all of us have uh, digital workstations. Um, uh, and how we're doing things is we we file share. Um, and uh, 
I worked with Roga for 15 years now, and I've done a lot of projects with him. And Roga will record a lot of riffs to a click track, and he'll send me just the riffs with a click track. And I've worked with him so long and so many years, I'm kind of used to it now. Mm-hmm. And then jo- working with Johnny, Johnny has his own studio. And Johnny's just brilliant. And Johnny will put, uh, he'll demo songs and then put uh, easy drums to him. Just so we have a kind of a standard, you know, feeling of what the drums will be like. But then what happens is they'll start sending me riffs. I'll take the, I'll listen to the songs and the structure and we'll make notes to each other. And I'll say, okay, um, this riff is played a certain, you know, type of measures. It's it maybe six measures. It needs to go a little, maybe two more measures. We'll, we'll cut and trim things or extend things by doing that. Some riffs might not work. Some parts might not work. And I'll say, ah, uh, this is too out in left field. This, we've got to reel it in, pull it back. This is, this is going too far, you know, too melodic or too, too, you know, it's not the old school death metal enough. So we did yeah. a lot of that. We did it, but it went so well. It worked so well. And everybody was quick to go, okay, no problem. There was no egos, which was great because everyone was like on the same page and everyone was like willing to work with each other. Everybody asked a lot of questions. What do you think we should do? Would you like to hear this? What do you think this is a good idea? Even Scott Fairfax was like that with the solos. Cause I remember he asked me, do you want me to do solos like Rick? And I said, no, I want you to do solos like Scott Fairfax. Yeah. I said, I want you to do so. And this, even the Swedes, they asked me, do you want me to write like American death metal? And I'm like, look, I'm a big fan of Swedish death metal. So I want yeah. you to write like it sounds like Massacre, but don't feel like you have to be restrained to only write that way. If you want to write something that sounds like old school Swedish death metal, feel free to do that. If it's too much, I'll tell you. And it went really well by by doing that. Oh, mate, that's absolutely fantastic, man. I mean, and that's the beauty of the technology nowadays. Hey? It makes it so easy to do that, I mean, especially with the whole COVID thing, man. That knocked everybody out. And it's, you know, yeah, nobody it was able to travel and, you know, it, makes, it yeah. must have been so frustrating. It, yeah, it was. It, it really pushed everything back, too, because the album was done. It's still not out. And to me, it's like, it's old. It's old already because we were done back. The album was supposed to actually originally come out in July. And we had a whole and it was going to be cool because this is the 30th year anniversary of From Beyond. So it's been 30 years exactly. Wow. From Beyond came out in July of 1991. And the plan, the original plan was Resurgence was supposed to come out in July of 2021 on the 30th anniversary. But because of covid that fucked everything up. Everything yeah. got pushed back. I remember when the label got in touch with me and they said, we have to push the thing back because a lot of the vinyl uh, pressing plants are closed and we yeah. won't be able to do vinyl. And I was like, and they gave me a, they gave me a salute. They said, they gave me an ultimatum. They said, we can release it in July. If you, if it's just digital release. And I was like, no, yeah. fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that. No, no. I want it all together all at once. No, no, don't break it up. Because they were yeah. going to break it up. And I said, no, we'll wait. And I said, they said, well, okay, well, if we wait and we go by our schedule because we have other releases, then it won't come out till October. And I said, well, that's fine. That's fine. I'd rather wait and have it come out in a proper way than have it all broken up and come out, you know, in, in, in the way it was suggested. So yeah. I think it was, I think it was, it was the right decision to wait. Oh, mate, that's awesome. I mean, how important is it to have those other formats? I'm a huge fan of vinyl, you know, and, and having having that experience with that. You know, obviously that's important to you. 
Yeah, I, 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 I'm a big vinyl fan too. So it was like, it was like, no, that when they told me the vinyl pressing plants were closed, I, I was like, I, I'm, I'll wait. <laughs> I, 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 they'll open back up. I'll wait. It's not, it's not that, you know, um, yeah. So having it come out on vinyl and having the vinyl, the special vinyl that we have, the, the ugly mustard green vinyl, which I, I, I love that. I, that was important to me. I mean, I was, I was like, so it was worth the wait. Like I said, I'd rather wait than to have it all, you know, broken up. So I like that. It's going to be a properly released. It's going to come out on vinyl. It's even going to got to have a cassette version, which that's exciting for me. Um, a CD version, of course, and a digital version. Well, that's it. I mean, it must be pretty crazy thinking that, you know, I mean, like we've had this advent and, um, and technology and everything. And a lot of people are moving to digital, but still, a lot of metalheads are craving the, the cassettes and, and, and the vinyls. Eh? I mean, it's a pretty magical thing. I mean, I was, I'm quite an older dude as well. And, you know, that was where my first experiences were buying tapes, you know, and things like that. You know, it's, it was a long time ago, it was 30, 30 plus years. You know? Yeah. It's pretty special though. Eh? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many of us out there, old fuckers, I guess <laughs> that still support the music. And I think that's one thing uh, that no other kind of, of, of entertainment has. There's no, there, I mean, there might be, I, I collect horror movies and stuff like that. So I love eighties horror movies. And I'm one of those, I'm one of those nerds that's bought, <laughs> rebought the movies because it first started coming out on VHS. And then I'm, then they came out on DVD and then they get really released on Blu-ray. I'm one of those nerds that buys every version that comes out. <laughs> so uh, I think also with music, especially underground metal music, we have a sort of kind of like that kind of crowd. We have these yeah. old old guys like us that grew up with vinyl, started with vinyl. And then we, I went through the cassette phase and then I was I completely like waited. I, put, I said, no, I'm not getting CDs. I remember that there, when the CDs first came out, I was like, oh, fuck that. I'm not buying CDs. I'm still sticking with my cassettes. I remember being that that bullheaded <laughs> about it and then finally i broke down and got cds and then cds were so convenient but then when it went to digital i tried the first do it with getting like mp3s and stuff like that and i'm like i don't have anything physical it just yeah. doesn't feel the same and they sound it didn't sound the same um vinyl has a certain warmth when you yeah. play a record that that you can't capture any other way so i love vinyl yeah, man, and it's that whole experience of opening up the vinyl and, and seeing the what's the, the, the lyrics and everything yeah. displayed full size. You know, you've got all the thank yous, all that sort of stuff. You know, you don't get that yeah. with just buying an MP3 nowadays. It's, yeah, um, you know, and also the smell of new vinyl. Yeah, you only know that as a vinyl. Cl- there is a smell of new vinyl when you open it up the first time, and yep. that smell hits you, and you're like, ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's something pretty special, eh, man? Yep, awesome. Anyway, uh, back to the album. Um, so uh, this is a weird question to well, it's a hard question to phrase, but how does the music come to you? Um, how do you hear or, or find music? I mean, is it something that do you hear phrases or do you hear riffs? Do you hear complete songs? Um, how does the music come to you? And how do you find that connection with music and lyrics? Because I mean, that, that, that's, that's, I know it's two questions, but yeah. Yeah. Now um, with, with how music, I think of music kind of like, uh, of course, a lot of the guitar players do most of the, most of the music, 
music work, but I'll have suggestions that come in and I'll say, oh, okay, this part sounds like, and it's just like that old, uh, that old cartoon, um, Metalocalypse. When you're sitting, I do, I'm a drummer, so I would always do that. Let's do a part that's like, you know, I'm like doing that. And the guitar player's like, okay, I know what to write to that. You know, so I'm like, yeah, let's do a double bass part. It's like, or, you know, I'll do, I'll do that all the time. And they're, and they're like, okay, I got it. And I'm like, I don't know how you got it, but that's cool. And they always come up with something that just works. Or if there's something like, like, we'll, we'll mention other bands. We'll be like, you know, do that thing that sounds kind of like Slayer. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's it. Or do that, do that kind of death thing. You know, it sounds like old death. And we, so we, there's a lot of that goes on. Kind of do a Celtic Frost kind of like chugging part, you know. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of that. We, we, we talk about that. Um, and and you, you're going to be influenced by the bands that you grew up listening to. That's just, that's just part of it. But uh, as far as lyrics go, um, I have notes. I have notebooks. Um, I know you said this is going to be on the radio, but I can show you. I have notebooks full of notes and lyrics and but i'm not one of those people that kind of like forces lyrics into a song i I know there's a lot of vocals that do that you can kind of tell i work my lyrics around the music and i've always done that i've always done that and i think because i'm a i'm a drummer at heart um i i write my lyrics to the signatures of the drums not necessarily to the guitar riffs um so i i I kind of write in four four, which is generic, but it's what works. And yeah. uh, so, a lot of my lyrics will will go in in those patterns. But as far as the notes I have, I'm always constantly writing down notes and ideas and and stuff. Um, so I can kind of like look to it when I start to write a song. I'm like, okay, let me go through my notes and see what I want to write about. And I always break up my bands in different categories, anyways. And Massacre is a very Lovecraft based. Uh, lyrically based band so i already kind of know the the universe of of what i'm going to work in when i write about that um and i use lovecraft as sort of my uh my way to express misanthropy because i'm a misanthrope and i i hate humanity so i use lovecraft as a way to kind of express that awesome so um what song would you say uh, would be your favorite or the song that you're most proud of off this new album off the new album, it's it's yeah. kind of hard to pick one specific song, but I really do like the opener, Eldritch Prophecy, because yeah. I really felt that that just encapsulated the atmosphere more than more than just you know uh, it's it's a very atmospheric song, and it was meant to be that way, and I I really wanted to have an opener that captures the atmosphere and the tone and the mood of what the album would be. Um, and then the second one is probably Whisper in Darkness. Like I said, that was the first song we wrote, but it was just such a, a good song that it just, it just fit so well. And I just said, Hey, this is if, like I said, if we write the rest of the album sounding like this, this is, we're going to have a good stuff. And there's other stuff we wrote too. The, the album is only 10 songs. We wrote 15 total songs. <laughs> and I, I saved some of those songs. We pulled some of those. And there's a couple songs that I, I, I look back now and I'm like, God, this song's so good. We should have put it on the album. But I'm kind of glad we didn't because we'll have a killer EP that's going to come out. And uh, some of these songs are even better than the songs on the album. And it's like, man, I just I, I'm, I'm excited. Like I said, it's been a year now 
for the album, for me, it's old. I'm ready for people to hear the EP, but yeah. that's, that's planning to come out uh, hopefully in the summer of next year. So within the next six months, I'm hoping the EP comes out so people can hear those songs as well. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. Yes. So are you going to be able to get out and do a release show and, and, and do any touring or anything like that? I mean, I know it's pretty touch and go over there. At the yeah, moment. It, it's, it's it, everywhere is touch and go. We unfortunately had a couple of shows cancel already on us. Uh, um, you know, we, I j- and we're getting word every day. Uh, well, this, this particular country says no or our stuff like that. And I'm like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> like, ah, fuck, <laughs> you know, as, and big thing is I've, I've always wanted to go to New Zealand. I'm dying to go to New Zealand. And I'm like, come on, why, why COVID now? Why? Uh, but, yeah. uh, so, um, but yeah, I mean, we have a show coming up in November, which we're playing. And now this is weird. A lot of people ask, are, are the lineup that's on the album going to play live? And I will say, unfortunately not, because uh, Roga Johansson himself doesn't tour and Brian Jar, the drummer, doesn't tour. But I already knew that going in, making the album, because I was real, like I, like I said, my wife said, work with guys that you know. So I knew going in that the album was more important. I had to get the right guys to make the album getting guys to perform and play late later in the band was secondary. And we're working on that. Now I've got a couple of new guys that uh, I've known for a couple of years now are it's the, it's the guys from the band Druid Lord, and they're going to help out with these shows that we have coming up. We have a show coming up in November in Atlanta, Georgia. There's a festival we're playing with a bunch of bands. And then we have another show in Florida in November, like a week later. And then there's nothing else everything else canceled in between. And then we have something in Brooklyn, New York uh, coming up in March, which uh, I'm excited about to to get up. But that's all we know so far in the U S other than the Maryland death fest, which we're still on that. We've been on that for two years on held. We've held our slot. (laughs) Uh, So um, that's still there. And then all the other death fests that I think uh, Ryan does, which is like the UK death fest and uh, Canadian death fest and stuff like that. Those are all, we're still on the slots for all of those. So those are all, when those happen, but they keep getting pushed back and rescheduled yeah. and re, but we're still on those those slots. So that's definitely a thing. As far as a normal tour goes, right now, nobody's got any news, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's pretty hard going. Hey, it must be interesting to get out there and play these songs live, though. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, man. So um, I've only got a few minutes left with you, but I was going to ask you, I know you're a busy man and all that sort of stuff. What sort of other projects have you got going on at the moment? Um, Actually, I put all other projects on hiatus or hold right now. Although Roga did get in touch with me recently and said, hey, do you want to do another Bonar? And I said, yeah, "Yeah, man, I've always wanted to. I think of because I'm a movie, a horror movie fan. I think of things in trilogies. So I was like, yeah, I want to finish Bonar. We only did two albums. I, I got that third album up here ready to go. And uh, he was like, okay, I'm going to think about doing that. I really want to bring that back. So Bonar is definitely in the works. As far as everything else, I I felt the grotesquery was done after the third album. We did a fourth album, uh, which which was okay, but I wasn't really feeling it because I had always planned it being a trilogy. So uh I like to say that that band is kind of done. I, I want to say that band's on hiatus and all my other products. Like I said, I put on hiatus because I really felt massacre needed my full attention. And, and that's where I'm, my attention is right now. 
Oh, mate, that's absolutely fantastic, man. And, dude, it, it shows it's an absolutely killer album, man. That's Thank you. Absolutely... I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank no you. worries, mate. Okay, so I've got one last question for you before we let you go, and that is uh, okay. words of advice for young musicians. Uh, for young musicians, don't trust anybody. <laughs> uh, no, really, uh, believe in yourself. Don't listen to uh, – don't try to follow trends uh that's the that's the biggest mistake i mean i wouldn't be where i am today if i follow trends i'm where i'm at today and it took me a long time to get where i'm at but i took i'm at where i'm at today and i think i have integrity and certain respect from certain people because i didn't try to be something else that i wasn't i was myself and i would suggest to all musicians out there believe in yourself if you've got something new, you've got something new to create. I'm ready to hear a new genre of music that blows me away. Right now, there hasn't been anything than, other than death metal. So, but I'm ready to hear something that I just would just, I'll just put on and go, man, this is fucking amazing. This is new shit that I like. So don't be afraid to, to experiment. Don't be afraid to hold back. If you've got something, you might have the next phase of shit. You don't ever know. Don't be like everybody else. Be your individual self. Oh, mate, Cam, that's absolutely perfect advice, mate. 